first full weekend of NFL football, and that means you have the announcer shuffle playing out. I think next week is when Al Michaels is going to make his debut at Amazon. Joe Buck, Monday Night Football, they're hyping that. You've got Russell Wilson, his return to Seattle, now playing for the Broncos. Pretty good Monday Night opener. That's the debut for Buck and Aikman. And wanted to talk a little bit about the broadcasting world, and nobody has been all over it. Like Andrew Marchand, he's with the New York Post. And for those of us old enough, we remember Rudy Mardsky in USA Today always had the updates on the sports announcers at the network level. Well, Andrew now is just crushing it. When all of these things were going down during the NFL offseason, Al Michaels leaving NBC, Kirk Herbstreet going to Amazon, Joe Buck leaving Fox. That was kind of a big deal. Troy Aikman getting huge dollars to leave Fox to go to ESPN and getting paid a little bit more than Tony Romo, not by... Not by uh, happenstance. That was by design to get paid more than Roma. You know that for sure. But interesting offseason for all these announcers, especially NFL-related. What's next for Kevin Burkhart, who is so popular but not really well-known? And now that he takes over for Joe Buck, he may open himself to a few more critics out there. So our conversation is with Andrew Marchand from the New York Post talking about sports media. And um, it's just amazing how he is. I'm wondering if NFL executives and TV executives are saying, how does this guy know this? He seemed to have everything before it would come out. So fun to talk about all of these different topics, including whether the league plays a role in getting broadcasters to certain networks. Is there pressure on ESPN to up their Monday night booth? I've always wondered about that. So the Kilquin Conversation with Andrew Marshan. It's presented, as always, by Triad Bank, neighborhood-friendly bank. Been in town since 2005. If you're in the market for a home loan, business loan, car loan, make sure you stop by and talk to the fine folks at Triad Bank. Get them on the web at triadbanking.com. I always say they're very St. Louis, not just based here, but the CEO, Jim Regna. He went to Rosary High School, went to UMSL. He is a St. Louis guy through and through. Triad Bank, longtime sponsor of all of our segments. Also, B&G Tuck pointing the best in the bricks. I know my guy, Rich Galati. He's going to be out at the golf tournament in St. Louis, the Ascension Charity Classic, because he and his kids love the blues so much. Craig Berube's playing on Saturday. Ryan O'Reilly's going to be out there. So my guy, Rich, loves the blues. Even if they're playing golf, he'll be out there taking it in. BGTuckPointing.com is their website. Check out a lot of their before and after work. They do a great job tweeting it out as well, so you can see what the work completed looks like and if you're getting tuck pointing done make sure it's with the best in the bricks they also do waterproofing and foundation repair they can make that home look new again same for the chimney the garage if, if you've got bricks you need to call b and g for a free estimate at 314-363-0525 314-363-0525 is the number to call and marita villa senior living that's the corner of clayton and wideman road beautiful campus out there and that's really what it looks like a campus you have the Villa Estates, Assisted Living, all levels of care at mariedevilla.com. Take a virtual tour online. They've been there since 1960. Appliance Discounters, theappliancediscounters.com is their website. All the great merchandise available there. Just get in the search engine. I always put in General Electric because they have rebates available. Washer, dryer, stove, refrigerator, you name it, they've got it at the lowest prices. They even do all the checking around town for you. They go to the big box store, see what they're selling that item for. So there's a comparison right there on the price tag. They do the checking so you don't have to. 
guaranteed lowest prices on the biggest names in the appliance world all around the St. Louis area and on the web at theappliancediscounters.com. And now our football broadcasting conversation with Andrew Marchand. Well, Andrew, we've never met, but I've read a lot of your stuff, and it seems from the spring to summer, I know you've been doing it for a while, but you were really on a roll in terms of not just reporting sports media news, but breaking stories. And with the NFL, it was just sort of a, a circus of an offseason. As a guy who covers sports media, describe that several-month period there where it was almost like NFL broadcast chaos. Yeah, it was kind of shocking, quite honestly, uh, when you looked at all the moves. You know, I, I've covered two things in my career. I've been doing this for about 25 years, maybe. Uh, and mostly it's been baseball, the Yankees, Mets in New York, and sports media. And this felt like an offseason when an Albert Pujols or an Alex Rodriguez or Bryce Harper were on the free agent market because that's what it was like uh, with all these guys. And then you know, ultimately Tom Brady in the on-deck circle of $375 million contract. So, yeah, it was pretty stunning, the whole term of event. What did you think when you first started hearing from people, hey, Joe Buck might leave Fox, and you knew he was under contract? I mean, did that sound sort of crazy? He's just entrenched as the face of Fox. You know, I've been writing about a lot of this stuff for a long time. And so, like, I would mentioned Al Michaels to Amazon for a long time. Uh, I was on top of the idea that Troy Aikman might split his time between – Fox and Amazon uh, and do Thursday night football. They'll have the new exclusive Thursday night package uh, starting next week. And so the night that Aikman went to ESPN, that happened kind of late. Now, I was on my radar and I'd written it, but they really hadn't made an offer. That happened late. I got a text. Someone said, Troy Aikman to ESPN. They told me $100 million is actually $90 million. Uh, that original text, uh, they thought it was $100 million. And Joe Buck could go, too. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I did not necessarily. Now, I mentioned him with Amazon. I knew his contract was up in a year. And, I, you know, there's, you know, I knew that, that there was a chance that, you know, Joe wouldn't want to do baseball anymore. So that seemed like, okay, maybe there, there's an opportunity there. But the idea that he would leave Fox in the face of Fox for a quarter century uh, was not really – was, that was – be asking everything. I think Brady's probably, you know, if that, you know, just because the, the money aspect of it and who he is, probably is the craziest of all the moves. But a close second would be Joe Buck to, from Fox to ESPN. Now, was Troy willing to go and just work with anybody? Obviously, he lobbied hard to get Joe to follow him after it went down. But what if the Fox ESPN trade of a college football game, which Joe still laughs about, I mean, if that doesn't work out. Who's Troy doing the games with? I mean, did he go there just sort of with a leap that it might work out? No, I don't think so. I think that his number one hope was that Joe Buck would go with him. But number two, it would have been Al Michaels. You know, I talked to Al a couple of weeks ago. I'm working on a story about uh, their, you know, their opening next week. It's going to be history when, you know, Amazon's going to be extreme, uh, exclusively streamed. It's the only way you're going to be able to watch that game next Thursday uh, between the Chargers and the Chiefs. Uh, and he said to me that he probably would have gone to ESPN if Buck hadn't joined Aikman. And so uh, I think that's what would have happened. It would have been Michaels and Aikman on Monday Night Football. He would not have gone to Amazon. Uh, and then, But that would have been weird because, you know, Al is 77 uh, and ESPN did want Joe Buck. So... Uh, I don't know if that would have been a one-year deal, you know, if uh, there was a way that they would have been able to manipulate it so, like, he would hold. Because 
they have a Super Bowl in five years. They really wanted ESPN really wanted Joe Buck. That was number one on their list. And you know, Al Michaels might be the greatest of all time in terms of play by players doing the NFL on television. But he is seventy seven, so to kind of have him as your plan for the Super Bowl in twenty twenty seven, um, which you know could happen, but it'd be a little optimistic. And, and as you've reported, ESPN has had, over the last few years, a lot of cutbacks. A lot of people have been let go or bought out and have left some people that were faces of ESPN. Where does this money come from? And I'm also wondering the motivation. It, how much of this, and I talked to different people, but how much of it is the NFL telling ESPN, hey, we want you to up your game. We'll give you better games. You you just need to up the broadcast booth. Do you think the league played a role in this? So, yeah, so some of that is true and some of that I don't think is true. So here's what I think. The NFL leans on the networks to have top broadcasts. And ESPN struggled for years, uh, you know, starting with that Joe Tessa tour, uh, Booger McFarlane on the crane, Jason Witten group, uh, that they just really had a hard time, you know, just kind of having just a solid broadcast. Uh, they, they kind of tried to reinvent the wheel a little bit. So there's definitely pressure that they get. That said, going into the negotiations and that, that resulted in ESPN getting two Super Bowls, they still had the team of Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, uh, and then at that point Brian Greasy as their Monday night team. So, and I had been told this too that the NFL at the end of the day uh, they're going to take the most money, you know, and you'll they, you know they're going to want you to figure it out. But ESPN, I think there was an agreement that we're going to upgrade the crews so they're better uh, going forward. And the first thing they did, even after the deal, is they got the Mannings done. So they got the Manning cast in there for 10 games last year. They'll be back for another 10 this year, um, which kind of helped the marquee. And then, you know, the opportunity came to get Aikman and Buck, and they did that this year. Uh, and so uh, I, when you look at it, uh, so it, it's kind of correct. The idea that they're getting better games because of Buck and Aikman, I'm not positive that's really necessarily true. I think if you look at how the deals are structured and where flex scheduling is going, it might appear that way, but I think there's an idea that they get an extra Cowboy game. That did not happen. Um, you know, they have a very nice schedule Monday Night Football. And it does, maybe it's a little better, but you know, it's very subjective. You talk to them, they'll tell you, yeah, it's better it's because of this. You talk to rival networks, that yeah, it doesn't really matter. How about the money itself? Was it symbolic that Troy got a little more than Tony Romo? It seemed, the Romo deal certainly changed the whole landscape, didn't it? Yeah, and that comes back. The Romo deal happened because, first off, he was a sensation, you know, the biggest NFL TV analyst, you know, making the biggest mark since John Madden was in his prime. Uh, and so with ESPN not being able to kind of figure out their Monday night booth, it created a lot of leverage for Romo because ESPN wanted him going into those TV negotiations. They wanted to have Romo on their side, you know, when they're doing the new deals, which resulted in 11-year deals. CBS didn't want to lose him. He gets a 10-year total value, $180 million, $17.5 per year contract. And um, when you look at a, um, a Troy's contract, it's five years, $90 million. So it's $18 million a year. Uh, yeah, you, you've been doing this a long time. You think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> I think that was that was definitely important to him. And now Brady's at the bar even higher. It is fascinating because not only are they in the same field as analysts on the top broadcast teams, oh, they both played for the Cowboys. I'm sure Troy's like, dude, I won three Super Bowls. I'm Troy Aikman, yep. and this guy is getting this guy. There's no doubt 
uh, I'm sure it did play a role. But where, where does that money come from? Can they justify it at, at the ESPN oh, level? Oh, yeah. Good question. Now, so the way they kind of do it is that they, you know, they've really put a lot of money into digital and ESPN Plus. So I do believe that a lot of the money that they're able to use is in, from that budget, and they kind of can do things with the budget. Yeah, and when you talk about, you know, they've had layoffs over the last, you know, going back a few years now. They haven't had recently, uh, but, you know, we are watching for that if they do that. Yeah, look, these companies can always find money. Disney has a lot of money, right? The, the issue always is the stock price, right? And that's what the market thinks of things. But it's not like Disney's poor. It's a multi, multi-billion dollar uh, company. Like, I always love when they would say, and I worked there for 11 years, you know, we don't have money. It's like, okay, no, it's fine. You don't have money for me, right? right. It's not, maybe you have, it's like, it's, it's fine, like, which is fine. I would rather have, we just don't, we don't want to spend that money uh, especially when they nickel and dying you over a thousand here, a thousand there, uh, that can be you know frustrating for most people who work there. But yeah, they can always find the money if if they want to, and we've seen that in, in most successful businesses. When they want to find the money, they'll find the money. If they don't want to find the money, they won't. And you know, obviously, inflation and other things come in, and the, you know, and, and those are good things for them to use as excuse. I mean, if you look back. You know, during COVID, when we really were in the midst of the first part of the pandemic, when everything was kind of shut down, you didn't know, ESPN asked their you know, employees making 500000 or more on air to, you know, to give back 15% of their salary in the short term, which made, I mean, even then, I, it's hard. It was right at the pandemic. Everyone's worried more about being ill and not dying, you know, let alone these things. But that one that was a little odd, quite honestly, because uh, um, you know, you know those are agreed to contracts, and I get it. The average person listening would probably be like, "Well, whatever." If they're making a half a million, they get fifteen percent. I get it, but I, I counter with: this is a billion dollar, multi, multi, multi billion dollar company. They could they could ride it out, and 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 I get it. Their theme parks were hurt, sports were hurt. Uh, the company was like everything else um, was going through a tough time. But you know, and then they spend all this money. If you gave back fifteen percent, and then they're given. Uh, Buck and Aikman, thirty-three million dollars per year combined. Kind of be like, can I get my fifteen percent back? Right. I'm having a flashback. We used to do uh, on Fox Two here in town. I hosted the Marshall Fox Show on Sunday nights, and I remember the second year his deal, and, and I was in the middle of it, but they were negotiating with my bosses. And I said to him one day after practice at Rams Park, I said, "Oh, I guess they said you know money's kind of tight or whatever." And he goes. Let me tell you something, Martin. There's always more money. They're all lying. There's always more money, and I'm like, you know what? And yeah. they got it done. They did. There's all. It, so you're right. He's right. Well, the there. Marshall Falk there is, yeah. Right. Yeah. Not for the rest of us, you know. Then I probably took a pay cut so he could get his deal done. Uh, and let's talk about Kevin Burkhart, who has been on this show, this segment, and just I, I don't think he's a household name yet. But now that he is going to be in that A broadcast role, hosting, you know, the biggest games on Fox. I think every time people see him, they like him. And he's just really good. I love his story. He told me about it. I'm sure you know he was selling cars for a while, doing radio in New Jersey. Yep. And then, really, I said, you know, you're a breakout star. He goes, well, dude, he goes, I didn't get to Fox till I was almost 40. I'm not an overnight success. But I think, like, everything they give him, he excels at. Do you think he's about to go to the next level in terms of name recognition and, and stardom in the broadcast world? I mean, he's going to do a Super Bowl. So I think that that, sounds, that answers your question, right? Yeah. If you're doing the Super Bowl, that's like the next. That's a different level in terms of people watching you. Uh, 100 million people watch the Super Bowl every year, you know, give or take. And 
Burkhart, like you just said, he's very like, well, I'm actually the one who first wrote the, uh, uh, you know, the story about him, uh, you know, trying to, you know, get into New York radio, having trouble and going to um, sell cars at a Chevy dealership. Uh, when he was about 20, it's about 20 years ago now. So from 20 years, now he's doing the Super Bowl. Uh, pretty remarkable. And he's a, kind of a folk hero among Mets fans because he was, I've said this, he's arguably the greatest sideline reporter ever. He's just so smooth and very, you know, just great stories he tell from around the ballpark and did a really excellent. Uh, and I, we actually had him on the podcast, our podcast that I have with John Oren, the Marshan Oren Sports Media Podcast. And I asked him, like, what makes a sideline reporter you know what? What makes you special? And you know he 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 got into some things, but but the but yes, to answer your question, yeah, I think he's going to go to another level. I think he's very good. You see it on the now, now there is a difference, a big difference between being a sideline reporter, being a studio host, which he's also excellent, and play by play, and the scrutiny at the level going from the number two spot to Joe Buck's number one spot is much higher. There will be much more judgment on Kevin Burkhart. It's easy to be the backup quarterback, and everyone's like, ooh, this guy's great. I like this guy. You move up to that top spot, it's a little bit different level. I think he can handle it, and I think he's going to do well, but it is going to be more scrutiny, And but you're right, he will become more of a household name. You made me think of something in terms of criticism, and I know, Joe, we've talked about it, you've talked about it over the years and dealing with it and all that. Is, is anybody bulletproof? I mean, like, is Al Michaels the one? Like, I don't ever – hear anybody rip out my does he even get hate mail from fans it feels like he might be the one guy who doesn't get it well i think it's also generational i always say this and i probably said this to joe buck if vin scully was doing the games today right um you know within his prime uh and you know he would be getting crushed on twitter so i think that when you look at it you know al was a little bit before social media um, and so back in the day, it was just critics who, you know, could really have a voice. Now everyone has a voice. So, um, yeah, so I think, like, some people have been kind of grandfathered in a little bit. I think for, like, a guy like Joe, you know, he's been doing it for – he did the World Series, especially baseball. Just baseball people are very uh, – I'm a baseball person. They're very annoying in a lot of – I have a Hall of Fame vote. You know, they're just a little bit like everything has to be exactly right. And they can't, you know, they're like that in football too perhaps. But I think baseball, and he was just there every year. Uh, and um, I, so I just think that uh, it's, a, it's a function of the time. And so to answer your question, no, there, there's always going to be detractors for everybody. But, yeah, Al is probably the one now. You know, Scully was like that. You know, he just passed, of course. Um, but, you know, nobody really had a bad word to say about Vince Scully, but he also was 80, you know, plus years old still doing the games. And so you're going to be, you know, you know, nobody's going to, you know, it doesn't feel right criticizing someone, uh, you know, that old, you know, that who's done that much. And I just think that uh, Al's not as old, but a lot of people either, you know, just he's, he's now gone across generations, which makes him uh, very popular and he's done very big moments. And Al, and this is going to help Joe as well, Al also did a thing where, you know, he really cut back, where he wasn't doing a lot of events, and less is more, I think, uh, nowadays, especially if you're a play-by-play guy. Like, I think Joe Buck will be much more popular in baseball, not doing baseball, than he ever was doing it. Right. People will be like, oh, I miss Joe Buck. Yeah, and I saw that on Twitter, and it's just one medium, but the night of the Field of Dreams, people were saying, oh, it doesn't feel the same without Joe Buck. It's kind of strange. And I was like, I never thought I would see people saying that. You know, but when they both left – 
Fox. Buck and Aikman, my theory was, okay, fine, I work for a Fox affiliate, but my theory was, all right, Fox is doing a market correction. They think these salaries are crazy. They're not going to spend that kind of money on announcers. And then the Brady deal comes out, and I'm like, holy moly, I don't even know if Tom Brady will be good as an analyst. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's interesting. Where did that deal come from? And I know it's on hold until he retires, but are we convinced he's he's a superstar? Is just the name alone all that matters? Well, if you're going to pay anybody that money, it's Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady's in a different class. You know, Peyton's there, too. But now, you know, Brady has outlasted him in terms of his career. So if you look at the modern era, last 25 years now, um, you'd want to be in business with Tom Brady. I mean, he's, he's considered the greatest. Uh, he has all the experiences. Um, can he do it? That's a great question. Like, nobody really knows that. You're taking a major gamble. It's a 10-year contract. It's for so much money. And just like, you know, the thing about Tom Brady is that the level he's at is different, right? Uh, like I told you, I was down at, you know, to uh, do a story. I went to Houston for the preseason game for Amazon. And when Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, they walk through the halls. Yeah, people notice them, right? But they can walk through. Tom Brady is going to be a different story. You're going to have to figure out how to get him into the stadium, right? People are going to line up. He is at that level where you have to figure things out getting from A to B. It's not just let's meet at a coffee shop, you know what I mean, and talk. Uh, you know, people would notice, again, Herb Strader and Al Michaels, but Tom Brady is a different level. So that's number one. Number two, yeah, so, I mean, this is my job. I cover this stuff, and I was trying to figure out what Fox was doing, and I had written Brady. I'd mentioned him. There's just no... Um, indication that he ever that he ever wanted to do it. In fact, he was on the record saying he didn't want to do it. Um, you know, Wall Street Journal story he did with Jason Gay, uh, and then he went back and you know, unretired. So he's playing. So then he kind of takes you off the radar. Um, but uh, so and also you have the factor like you just said, Fox seems to be drawing the line. We're not going to spend uh, 18 million. We think Troy Aikman is not even worth 13, but we'll give him 13. Um, or so million dollars, and so when you uh, when you look at it, uh, it kind of came out of left field. But I think what happened is, you know, from the top of Fox, owned by the Murdochs, you know, they, they wanted Tom Brady, and they, you know, and you know, obviously the people in charge of the, you know, the executives in charge wanted him too. But but this is a this is one of those moves, kind of like we talked about at the beginning, big free agency moves. Those come from ownership. Right when the Texas Rangers signed Alex Rodriguez for two hundred fifty-two million dollars, that was the Rangers owner at the time, Tom Hicks, doing that. You know, when the Angels uh, took uh, um, Albert Pujols, that was Artie Marine. You know, I mean, you don't get like the right. GM doesn't just get to put out. I forgot what uh, Pujols got, but the you know, so this is a move that comes from the top when you're spending that type of dough. And, and I think. Uh, Eric Shanks, even in a meeting with Joe Buck, said, hey, we'll get you Tom Brady if you just stay. And I think even then people are like, what? You're not going to get Tom Brady. Then, lo and behold, they end up signing him to a deal. How about a couple of names uh, for our football audience, broadcasters, and at any network, play-by-play analysts, give me a couple of names that maybe you think are going to emerge or are a little bit below the radar right now or have done some games, but they're going to be doing bigger games or a handful of announcers maybe that just come to mind when you think of that aren't stars maybe but will be. Yeah, I don't know. So I would say, you know, let me do two categories. So I'd say the best, like the Dan Marino of NFL broadcasters right now is Ian Eagle. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the best guy not doing a championship uh, and could easily do a championship. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know. I think he's pretty well known, right? He's got a pretty good profile uh, nationally. He's doing number two for CBS and NCAA tournament and the whole thing, TNT. And yes, you know, here he does the Nets games. Um, but so that'd be one. Uh, and then a, a guy I like a lot, I think, has a big future is Adam Mean at Fox. Uh, I think he is someone who ESPN made a mistake with letting him go. Uh, so those would be my two. In terms of analysts, like I think CBS and Fox, they still need to kind of work on getting that depth. Uh, because really what you really want, and this is what was, you know, we went back to CBS, you know, with Romo, they didn't have a number, a second, somebody to, to slot in for Romo. You know, maybe it would have been Boomer Esiason, perhaps. But they didn't have somebody. They didn't have a number two. It was Dan Fouts at the time. And they ended up, um, you know, after a long time together, letting him go. But the – so that, that – that, so, so to answer your question, I don't really see analysts – there's not really a young analysts at the moment. who I'm like, hey, look, that guy. You know, Olsen, I think, could be very good. I do like Olsen, um, but he's not under the radar at all. But he's going to be in front of the radar. I do think he could do – I think he'll, he he probably would do well. a little polarizing probably, but uh, I do think he could do very well. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the analyst depth is more of an issue than the play-by-play depth at this point in terms of starting. And that could just be guys get out of the game that are really well-known. They don't want to do it. And even though it pays pretty well, some of them have so much money. There's there's probably a ton of names. I mean, Peyton Manning's the obvious, but we could mention so many guys. Oh, he'd be great. He'd be great. And they just don't want to do it. And that's also like people like I just wrote a whole story in the New York Post. We had a 32 page uh, preview section and I had a page and a half about, you know, how we got here, the money and all that. And that's part of the reason that these guys are getting paid so much is because you have to pay them this much. Right? They, they, they don't need the money. But they when you start talking the money that we're talking, 18, 37, 15, uh, then it's like, all right, I got to think about this. It's also you only work half the year. These jobs are in one game a week for half the year. Uh, so, yes, but you're 100% right. I mean, that's an issue in baseball, for example. Like, I, you don't see, you know, I'm trying to think of a star who, you know, just retired. You know, A-Rod's doing it, but he's tainted. You know, it's like, it's not the, you know, will a Justin Verlander want to be, like, the next big game analyst? You know, he could be. I think Fox will want him, but... Uh, you know, I don't know how much he's made career earnings, but it's in the hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars. Does he want to go do games of the week? You know, I don't think so. Probably, you know, maybe uh, some guys want to be involved in the game uh, and, and obviously have a big voice when you're the uh, top analyst. But you know, so so I think when you uh, when you look, and even like ESPN's top crew in baseball, you have Davey Cohn, been retired a long time, he's almost sixty. Uh, Eduardo Perez, who didn't have a great major league career. It's just so. Uh, you're right. I mean, the money, uh, you got to make money that talks for them to, to come and, uh, and do these games. The guy would be a star, and it sounds provincial, but Adam Wainwright is the most glib, mm. likable, and, and his name's gotten bigger the last few years. I know he's not a superstar, but he, I don't know if he wants to do it or not, but he is probably, and I've been doing this a long time, probably the best interview ever because he's always interesting. It's not just that he's polite. It's not just golly geez. Yeah. He'll say something interesting. He'll whip out a Mike Shannon impression. I mean, he'll do. He is so talented. Mosaic, the GM, is like, I'm kind of jealous. He does everything good. I mean, he would be great. I don't know. I'm hoping he still pitches next year. But that's one just clip and save for Andrew Marshan. Clip and save that. Yeah, name. I think he did it. He did it the one year, right? Sat in a little. I think he sat in on some like an NLDS or two, maybe. 
Yeah, but yeah, but, but it's still like I like that. Like I don't know his career earnings. You know, I don't have Baseball Reference in front of me, but I'm sure that he's made what 150, 200 million. I'd say pushing two. Yeah, I'd say at this point. Yeah, so it's like so he doesn't have really any. There's no financial. You know, it's not like Terry Bradshaw, right? In the NFL, you know, Bradshaw won four Super Bowls, but the money wasn't as big. He's definitely made. I bet you he's made twice to three times, maybe even four times as much money after his playing career as he did as a player, um, and. So, like, that's, like, not the scenario unless you're going to pay. You know, Brady's the interesting one because it's more money in total. If he does the 10 years with Fox, it'll be more money than he made as a player. It is insane. And you've been all over it, New York Post and also on Twitter. And you'll usually tease ahead. I got a little breaking news and let folks know. And you, but I call you the Rudy Marchi for a new generation. I, I, it's a compliment because in USA Today, he was the go-to guy for sports media information. I'm guessing you grew up, were you watching the TV and had an opinion on announcers? I mean, did, were you gravitating at, at some point to sports media coverage? My mom my mom likes to say, she's almost 80, uh, she likes to say, you know, I used to try to make you go to bed at Monday Night Football, but it turns out you were, you know, working for your future job. So, uh, you know, uh yeah, I've always been interested in it, you know, as being a sports writer, sportscaster, all those type of things. And uh, it's a weird, like, passion to have. I do say this. It's a very nice compliment you gave me, and I appreciate that. I do say this, though. If there's one job you could wipe off the face of the earth and the world would still spin at the exact same speed, it's my job. So I take it seriously, but it's not a serious job. I'm very fortunate to have it, and I, and I do appreciate it. And I, Kind words, yes. And do you get? Do you ever get a call or a text from an executive saying, "Where's this coming from?" Even though you're right and you know it's right, but they're mad that it got out. Does that when you break stories? Do you get some of that feedback where they're like, uh, "Yeah, I think like, I have relationships with people," but yes, you do. I'm just, but I try to be as straight up as possible. Like I, my big thing is no surprises. For you know, again, unless someone's dishonest with me, like you can lose that trust. Like I always tell my kids, there's a. Is he passed away now? A long time author who I like named Wayne Dyer who always says you teach people how to treat you, um, and so I am straightforward with people. So I try not to make any surprises for any you know like before these things come out. If there's no no story, very rarely I will say the Aikman thing like moved very quickly, and I wanted when I broke that story that was going ESPN like I didn't like I I called the right people like I had it 100 percent. But like I couldn't like alert every because I wanted we need to get that out as quick as possible. But generally speaking, um, there's no surprises. But yeah, you hear from people. They, they, you know, you get the people who it's a, you know it's a terrible question. Like who told you this? Like you know the people kind of stop. Obviously, people I know for a long time because they know I'm not going to tell them. But it's like an honor. Like they always people always think they know who told you. They oh this person. It's like a 90 percent of the time they're wrong. But like I can't like really comment. You know, because I can't comment because I'm not going to tell him who it is. And then if you just start saying, no, it's not that person, well, okay, then we can eliminate that. So it's like you can't really uh, win, but that's the, that's the nature of the job. Fun conversation. Andrew, thanks for hopping on the show. And uh, but we'll look for it. maybe a Cards, Mets, NLCS, Cards, Yankees, World Series might be a harder stretch for both teams. Who knows? But uh, maybe we'll meet up one day in New York. Great. Sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. I think Andrew brings up a great point that Joe Buck, in terms of all the criticism, Maybe some of that fades away. Less is more. And it didn't do him, you know, it made him famous, made him rich, but it doesn't do you any favors when you're on TV all the time because then people tend to get sick of you and they complain about you even more so. And now that he's just doing Monday Night Football, I do think that will aid in his popularity. 
Not that it matters. You're getting paid fifteen million a year. You're fine. People don't like it. It's okay. But it always is nice to be appreciated for your work. Looking forward to the Buck Aikman Monday night team. Because when I was a kid, Monday night football was a thing. It was a big deal. Starting with Howard Cosell. Years later with Al Michaels and Dan Deardorff. It's always been a thing. And I credit ESPN for trying to make it a thing once again. But also Kevin Burkhart. We'll see as, as good as he is and as nice a guy as he has been on the segment with us. I've heard nothing but good things about him. It'll be interesting to see now that he's on the A-team if there is more critique. Fun conversation with Andrew Marchand. All of our segments are posted at scoopswithdannymack.com. Great website run by the Cardinals broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Also, we're on Spotify and iTunes where you can find all of our segments, including previous segments. You can go back and listen to the Bill Raftery interview or Kevin Harlan as we talk about big-time broadcasters, Bob Costas, back in 2021. All of these segments are evergreen. They're about their careers and their favorite moments. So if you missed them now, you can go back and still find them at all of those different sites. Our great sponsors are Triad Bank, B&G Tuck Pointing, Appliance Discounters, and Marie Davila Senior Living. We appreciate you supporting the sponsors, and of course, we appreciate them supporting this show. The Kilcoin Conversation, coming back your way early next week.